So when you have a problem, you think what tools you have available. So if you only think about one type of tool, which is technology, if you, you know, immersed in technology, yeah. and you say, okay, light projection is the only way you will think because you work in light projection only. Mm-hmm. So you gotta take yourself outside the box. Yeah. You gotta look back in, detach yourself, and take the limits off. Okay. Think like a kid, and then I guess it flows from there. Today's guest is Azhar Malik. He has over two decades of marketing and business development experience and previously held C-suite positions at various companies in advertising, marketing, and e-commerce in US and Pakistan. He founded Evolve AR in 2018, which benefits companies by utilizing the business potential of augmented reality. Evolve AR helps marketers, educators, and small businesses to create inspiring educational and engaging content, which generates commercial value. Hi everyone, I'm Vanessa Ho and welcome back to the Founding Story series in our Quest Ventures podcast and YouTube series. Today I have with me Azhar Malik who's from Evolve AR. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Vanessa, thank you for inviting Okay, so just to kickstart, tell us more about yourself and uh, your startup. Uh, Evolve Innovative Solutions is a no-code drag-and-drop AR VR content management system. Uh, it's built on top of the uh, existing SDKs and uh, AI algorithms. Some of them are ours, some of the industry standard like Google's TensorFlow and others. And uh, the goal was very simple. We wanted to make sure that uh, SMBEs and the small business enterprises that cannot afford huge staff in design or in programming can actually just jump in and create immersive interactive experiences for marketing and for educational and other purposes wherever they feel fit in a very simple to use uh, drag and drop room. So essentially, you're democratizing uh, AR for everyone, including your marketers, your small businesses, and any creators, right? Exactly. The goal is, and uh, uh, the basic concept is also, democratizing it to a point where uh, usability and functionality is uh, done by the masses. Great. So it becomes easier. Let's go back to your roots. So what sparked the interest in augmented reality? Okay, so let me give you a little bit of my background to uh, put some context to the story. I started my first company in 96 as a freshman in college. And ever since then, I've been involved in marketing. I've been uh, through technology. So um, in 2015, uh, we were actually working with National uh, Social Security Foundation of Tanzania government. And they were launching a a massive uh, project, property project. Uh, of about 7,000 apartments and change. And we were the key marketing and digital um, company on it. Mm-hmm. And we were overseeing it. And um, at that time, one of the key factors was that how to make uh, in a market like Tanzania, in East African market, make the people realize that uh, going from build your own home and owning the land to a fully functional uh, apartment complex in a developed nation. So uh, AR became the solution back then. This is 2015. So we ended up developing an AR solution on their marketing platforms Mm -hmm. that we then further showcased throughout the uh, expos and other activities. So that's Mm -hmm. where the interest in AR sparked. Um, uh, It was a technology in making at the time, although it's a very old technology. Since 1950s, the concept has been there in some way or form, people have been working on it. But uh, around 2015, I really started becoming mainstream, as you can say, and people's interest was building out. So that's where we got started on it. Uh, 
That's awesome because it only became a hot topic only in the recent few years, right? And before that, I think people knew what it was. It was more for entertainment, uh, gaming, but ne- people never really uh, thought through the whole use applications until startups like yourself started creating very relevant use cases uh, across industries. What had happened was that uh, about three years ago, when uh, and it's also timing, mm-hmm. um, Google's Tango program. Uh, it's been around since 2015. Yeah. Singapore was the main hub for it to be yeah. tested. Never picked up the ground until uh, Apple actually introduced ARKit, mm. which was an acquisition of another company, Kundan. Kundan, they acquired another existing SDK, turned it into ARKit, and mass adaptation because of that um, ecosystem, Apple's ecosystem, uh, became available around about 2017, and that's where the interest peaked because yeah. now it was on Apple. Yeah. So all of a sudden, all iOS products were doing it. And uh, similarly, Google followed uh, suit in six months. They turned Tango into AR Core, and now you had all the devices. So devices were already there. Uh, device hardware was catching up yeah. because there's a certain amount of processing that happens for AR. And uh, machines, you know, the smartphones were becoming hardware-wise very capable. So you needed both to run at the same pace right? in order same. For, for them to be complementary. Exactly. I see. Okay, and something I, I realized uh, you said very, very interestingly in a previous interview last year was think creativity, not tech. So what are some of the reasons why you think people these days may be confined in thinking about tech, right? Uh, about tech space and less so in creative solutions? Um, the reason behind that, um, I will use somebody from Renaissance time. I think yeah. about Da Vinci. So we all look at Da Vinci's work from, you know, from paintings to his uh, scientific um, you know the inventions and everything else yeah. what made him do all those things was he was interdisciplinary okay. he looked at things from different angles different light mm. and uh, right now the problem with tech is that if I am in a IoT space for example all I'm thinking is sensors Yeah. if I am in software all I'm thinking is databases and web and what can happen yeah. but the reality is that the world is it's a con- you know, conglomeration it's a mm. melting pot everything is coming together in tech as well so um, you got to take a look at it as an interdisciplinary. Yeah. So when you take a look at it, it as an interdisciplinary, um, you start thinking about the problem, mm, okay. not about the solution. So you have a problem. So when you have a problem, you think what tools you have available. So if you only think about one type of tool, which is technology, if you're you know, immersed in technology yeah. and you say, okay, light projection is the only way you will think because you work in light projection only. Mm. So you got to, Take yourself outside the box. Yep. You're going to look back in, detach yourself, and take the limits off. Okay. Think like a kid. And then I guess it flows from there. But what exactly is your ideal education environment or playground for the next generation of marketers to think outside the box, like what you said, and also to think interdisciplinary? Because in school, we're always taught to okay study a specialization. That's a whole big subject very (laughs) controversial sitting in Singapore especially with the education system PSLEs exams and these kids are being you know uh, made to move much faster Mm. Um, I think the next wave of education um, not just for marketeers next wave of education is immersive Mm. it's interactive Mm. uh, it's applied Mm. meaning that you can't just have books around Um, I will give you an example of my own educational experience Uh, my senior year um, uh, I had moved from Pakistan to US to a private school to give 
you know, go through the high school. So there was a test uh, for calculus. Mm. So I arrived at the test without the calculator, without anything else. And my professor looked at me and he said, Mr. Malik, how are you going to attempt the test? I said, it's a test. So I'm here. So I have, you know, up here in my head, I got everything. So he put me on the podium, literally. Mm. And he looked at the class and he said, Mr. Malik here is going to talk to profits and is going to attempt 300 derivative questions without the help of STI-82, without the help of the book, without anything. Okay. So mentally as a kid, I thought that I would prove it wrong. Okay. So I went doing the way I was taught in Pakistan till my first 10 years to attempt an exam. Lo and behold, 45 minutes later, everyone else finished 300 questions and I was still on my 10th question. So applied knowledge is more important. Okay. Immersive, interactive and applied. Okay. Okay. See, well, but not everybody uh, is just fortunate enough to get a different sort of a immersive, uh, I, I guess, application from the way they're brought up. Right? So I, I will take you to your last question. Yeah. Um, you got to still think outside. You're thinking tech again. So immersive and interaction can be built with paper, existing mm, tools, okay. everything. It needs to be, instead of showing a kid two plus two on a blackboard, yeah, you can put two marbles and a two marbles. Let him play with those marbles okay. and start counting, and it's immersive and interactive. So anybody can do it. You just have to think differently and use the tools at hand to apply it. Okay, so it would work. That's great. Okay, so my next question I think would be very relevant uh, for even earlier stage uh, startups who are looking to do businesses uh, with large corporates. And I can see that you've worked with big companies, including the likes of ING, BMW, Samsung, Universal, HP. The list is countless. Coca-Cola, P&G, and many more. So how is it like working with them? Uh, even touching base with them, firstly, it's my first question. And my second question is, uh, how open are they, are they to adopt um, all these innovation uh, with all the risk it involves? Bigger corporations are yeah. more risk-averse. They have the budgets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also have to, um, with experience, you realize that when you talk about the big FMCGs mm. or the Inc. 500 companies, they are moving in multiple directions. Mm. Um, and the media budgets used to be big because they're uh, more uh, playing onto the ATL lines or above the line media. Yeah. So they're doing the productions, the TV and XYZ, which used to have a huge cost associated with it. Mm -hmm. So now when you go in and you can provide them with a solution which will uh, supplement their production costs, yeah. you're actually providing them with a cheaper solution. So mm -hmm. instead of spending quarter million on uh, doing a massive production and then running it, they're more open to knowing about how user-generated content engagements and other things can be done with post-millennial uh, Gen Z and mm -hmm. so on. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is, um, it's the idea. You have to provide a use case to regardless any business you work with. You work with SMBE or you work with enterprises. You have to go in thinking like them. You just can't go in and try to sell a product. Mm. You have to show them the benefits. And if there is return on investment on the benefits, Major, majorly companies or I would say the individuals involved need to feel warm fuzzy that investment is not 50-50 risk or a big yeah. risk it's a, it's a nice investment because ROI is attached their KPI is attached so uh, yes ideas are great but they need to have a dollar value attached of to them course. so mm -hmm. with our experience uh, with the bigger companies like, let's take Universal yeah. so we did not go to Universal to pitch them um, uh, what they can do at their parks. We went to UMG Solution, which is uh, Universal Music Group, and they are making new hotels mm -hmm. right now. 
uh, in US. So for their 13 or so properties, when we were talking to them, it became how to make the rooms immersive. Okay. Because a person who's coming in and is going to be staying at, let's say, uh, uh, Ice Cube floor or Snoop's floor, he needs to feel that. How does he? How do you make him feel that? By scanning different things, by making things immersive and others. So that those are the solutions we worked with, and one of the solutions or uh, our solution was basically image recognition and implementation, like a Hogwarts yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, posters with them. Okay, so very simple, but okay. ROI there, and people can have interaction. And that is when the the hotel guests are already there, or even before they they book the hotel stay, can they experience it on? on that is inside website? the hotel with our solution. I see. Okay. With with the uh, property, when we uh, dealt with the National Social Security Fund, over there, it was before the purchase. Okay. So, and we're dealing with another property developer called Damak in yeah. Dubai. So, Damak uh, had us do Versace Villas. Mm. Uh, it's one of their properties in UK, sponsored by Versace. And they did sales enablement, mm. uh, 3Ds, where you can walk through the whole villa. Mm. Because of COVID, people were not moving around. Yes. So, it became okay. a big sale because they wanted to show that it's not just a villa on a book. You can experience the whole Versace, the interior is all Versace, the glasses to cutlery to everything. So we built that whole thing for them and that's what they're using it for. So different use cases, different stages, different departments. Mm. Um, for our product, majorly it's actually marketing departments. It's their budgets. And sometimes those budgets uh, coincide with the advertising budgets. Mm. So sometimes they can take the advertising mm. and pour, you know, park it into the marketing mm. side and move from there. I think the key thing that you first start off with, right, is to identify how you can value add and kind of bring their campaigns reach from, from A to B on a bigger scale, right? And secondly, it's knowing and identifying the right departments to go to. And this is the same for other startups out yes. there as well. But so what are some of the key concerns or problems uh, that all these clients come back to you with? Uh, key concerns, uh, they're not problems because we're dealing at the campaign levels yeah. with marketing firms. Okay. So the key concerns are always activations. For example, if you're going to do it pre or you're doing it for an event or campaign, the first question that comes in is that, okay, if I do a print campaign or if I do a media campaign, I have activations. I have a yeah. certain amount of lead generation happening. Yeah. If I use this technology, how does it relate to my existing? So you have to show that KPI. Okay. So for us, the KPI becomes uh, immersive uh, engagement has a few hundred percent more recall. Mm. So automatically yeah. branding becomes a big thing. So if somebody experiences an immersive experience, their recall is much higher than a print or any other. Of course. So it becomes a memory. Okay. So memory becomes sales. It becomes branding. It becomes works for FMCGs or the masses brands. Um, second thing is um, when you're not present, product is not present. So product visualization has become a big thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, having the product visualized uh, after you have left the property, which is a retail property, or in COVID days, you cannot visit a property. Yeah. So visualization becomes another KPI, which other mediums cannot provide. You can do a great explainer video, the great product video, but having a 3D bottle or a 3D uh, image in front uh, is a big uh, you know, product and endorsement. Mm. Uh, we deal exclusively in Pakistan for fashion, for example. Mm. Um, and part of our portfolio is we deal with the product production or the 3D asset production all the way towards the CMS side. So uh, we tested this with one of the retailers with about 300 different, uh, their new line had 300 different outfits. So we did, um, and I think by far, this is the largest implementation mm -hmm. of an AR application 
where we did all 300 3Ds. We were able to throw the 3Ds out. You're able to see them, walk around them because the product is expensive. So you're able to see why the weaving. So in photography, it might look like um, a pattern. So pattern fabric is cheaper, but when the same thing is done with a gold wire, woven in intricately, all of a sudden it's a different thing. And how long does it take to produce this 300 visualization as compared to before? With the okay. So uh, before this tech, the traditional way is each visualization, mm. um, an artist would have to draw them up. Okay. And uh, on an average, each outfit would have taken the intricate because these are bridal. Yeah. And if you've ever seen Indian, Pakistani, or South Asian, you know, South subcontinental bridals, they're very elaborate. Yeah. Victorian style. So, um, anywhere from three to four months on each outfit. Oh wow! And okay. so nobody was doing it. So what we did was we created a 3D photogrammetry rig, which has about 150 DSLR cameras, mm. and uh, it's a snapshot. With the model present, um, and one ten thousandth of a second, mm-hmm. the initial stuff is done. Four hours later, the three Ds right. That's so from three hundred months, a uh, three three uh, hundred days or so, to back to four uh, hours, five hours maximum, depending upon intricacy, two days. And speaking of fashion, uh, I think uh, Vanen and I came uh, on the way here. We were talking about all the virtual models and how AI is generating these virtual models. And last year during COVID, we see uh, a lot of our virtual fashion shows. Uh, they're very interactive as well. Uh, great for overseas sales and great for reaching out buyers who have never been to your shows, uh, say in Singapore or any other regions. So I think even uh, at this time and age, right, it's more relevant than ever. It is. It yeah. is. And like you said, for Certain products, it makes a lot more sense on our client side. Yeah. We see what we call a lot of diaspora sales mm. because Indian, Pakistanis, and you know, a lot of people are outside the country and the more uh, US, UK based sales. So yes, it is very relevant. Um, apart from that, tech has moved, especially the Unreal Engine, the meta human side, you can call them, has moved, and not just fashion side. Uh, again, we are working with the Mark on another project, which is. Now it's not just going to be a tour. We have uh, NLP-based, natural language processing-based wow. AI human actually be interacting as a sales agent now oh, wow. inside okay. the VR. Okay. So you know it, things are evolving. Mm. The use cases are evo- evolving. So the mark started with just the 3D side of it. Then they came back with okay, now we need this and so. So companies once they get a taste, they're also coming back because of the immersive value and efficiency. Yeah, and it gets more and more dynamic. It is getting more and more dynamic. I see. And speaking of uh, different countries, right? Uh, I understand that you are also in uh, UAE. You're doing business in US, and you mentioned Pakistan, right? How how is it different in all these different uh, markets so far in terms of like the clients and the user adoption? Culture plays a big role. Yeah. So uh, definitely, Asian cultures uh, mm. slow moving. Mm. People like to take their time, make the decision. Um, based upon even emotional attachment, there's an emotional quotient to it also. So even if they're 100%, percent, I won't say 100, they're 80% sure mathematically, mm-hmm. uh, numbers-wise, uh, they will still go back uh, and see if there's an emotional connection with the company, and then mm-hmm. move on and sleep on their decisions a little bit. Um, but once they make the decision, things move pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, US is more mathematical; it's a life cycle of a sale is much shorter. Uh, Dubai. Uh, for us, the life cycle is a bit shorter because um, they are early adapter. Mm. As a country, there are early adapters of technology. Yeah. So uh, from government side, there's a huge push to adapt. 
and adapt with deep tech XYZ. So if you take a look at their country setup, you'll say they have adapted the AI into their police systems, uh, robotics and all of that. Um, So from that perspective, uh, there's a big push from the government to adapt newer technologies, newer ways of doing things. They see the value in those things, building new economic boosts. Okay. And you mentioned a really, really good point that leads on to my next question. And we know that uh, government support goes a long way in pushing this whole new wave of uh, innovation, including AR as a platform uh, in marketing. So so how do startups kind of thrive uh, in this government landscape in Singapore particularly? And uh, have there been anything that you've been leveraging, uh, whether it's from Pixel or any other governmental support? Uh, definitely. Um, let's put it this way that... Uh, the government is providing a lot of support mm. uh, to the SME, yeah. you know, the network and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Singapore is one of, I, I have lived in quite a few places in my yeah. life doing business, mm. uh, US, Africa, Middle East, and now, you know, in, on this side, Singapore is definitely one of the most expensive places that I've come across from the living <laughs> yeah. expense side. Um, so when you're doing, you're a strap, a bootstrapped SME, yeah. uh, you're a startup. Uh, every penny counts. Mm. So uh, providing services like Pixel is providing uh, studio accessibilities, 3D accessibilities, uh, other things is great because the cost is much higher, but it enables over here, it's free as being part of Pixel. Um, apart from Pixel, there are uh, other things, you know, the workshops that they provide, the mentor network, which they provide. So we've even been leveraging and learning through some of those because, you know, you know your industry pretty well, but then there are certain things that you know you might not know or your staff might need more interaction or uh, openings. Singapore government is very active um, in providing grants. Mm. Um, one of the things that we are exploring with Pixel is uh, pick grant because the rig that we put out in Pakistan is a couple hundred thousand dollars and uh, we were just having conversations today also that we want to put one here also uh, to go after the fashion brands to bring the cost of fashion 3D actually to uh, lower costs. Mm. So looking at a lot lot of those things, there's a lot of support. Great. And let's talk about timing. In your previous interview, you talked about how timing is crucial. It's everything sometimes. And uh, back in those days, Google Glasses uh, didn't really make it there because it was too early. I think they made some waves during the uh, DVF fashion shows. Uh, They had some launches, didn't take off. So now do you think it's a time for Evolve AR and AR in general? Um, if you take a look at the evolution altogether for yeah. AR specifically, yeah. it's not just the Google Glasses. Yeah. They took a hit with Google Tango also. Oh, yes. They invested heavily in that. But the thing is, it, it also shows us until the masses are ready, no matter how much amount of money you throw at a problem, it is not going to solve itself. Mm-hmm. A, and you need people's involvement and other parties and players to be involved. It needs to be an ecosystem. Yeah. Um, since 2017, the development of ecosystem has been huge. Because the hardware has caught up Mm. and software also caught up with Mm. the hardware side. Mm. So both of them combined um, and the AI footprint, uh, as in processing footprint, Mm. is getting smaller. What you were able to do with multiple servers, crunch that data. Now you're crunching the data on your cell phones. Mm. So that AI is becoming more and more available, which is a core part of your augmented reality when you talk about it. So um, I think we are finally ready in 2021. uh, sorry to say this, but COVID has actually propelled our core uh, adaptation of augmented and virtual reality. People have gotten more used to, you know, uh, interaction and immersiveness mm. because of that. 
Okay. So yes, I, I, I. But I think it's a good thing. It pushes people to try new things, to be more experimental. And efficiency is also kicking in. We yes. are dealing with the uh, I can't uh, take the name here, but a warehouse uh, solution, robotic solution, but yeah. very mm-hmm. inexpensive, efficient solution. And we are deploying Intel RealSense solution instead of going after very expensive uh, hardwares, which was the norm uh, about five years ago. So we are deploying Intel RealSense along with AI on uh, generic machines, open source machines, to actually take in the weight, measurement, uh, movement of packages throughout the warehouse. So efficiency is also increasing. It's not just entertainment or the marketing ROI side. There's a lot of things that AI is doing. You can you're doing with computer vision and augment uh, and artificial intelligence being combined. Yes, so and across all sectors, across, across all, all sectors, is completely yes. vertically integrated. So you, exactly. you you know a lot of solutions, and you need players in all of those mm-hmm. because you know at any given point uh, you can focus on one area. It's becoming a big field. Coming down to my last few questions, okay? So Snap, or you guys might know it as Snapchat, uh, is moving into AR for shopping and they're increasing sales uh, and using AR as a platform for advertising this year. Um, and how will Snap doubling down on AR change the game for other AR players all around the world? Okay, uh, Snap, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Snap, has, Snap has a big footprint, mm-hmm. um, but you have to look at some of the history also. Okay. So when you take a look at Snap, you see that uh, for the last three, four years, they have been in market aggressively trying to acquire companies which were already embedded in AR, mm-hmm. uh, like Blipper mm-hmm. out of UK. They tried their best to acquire that uh, solely because of the AR sales part of it. Um, currently, if you talk about uh, Snap's capability, you cannot... What their you know announcement is great, but you also have to look at where other parties stand currently. So when you take a look at that, you got major players, uh, TikTok, WeChat, WeChat being the most prominent, Facebook coming in uh, with the Instagram and uh, with Messenger, and obviously Snap is the fifth big player. So um, the remaining four have cross-integrated AR sales already. Okay. So what you do on the WeChat side, you have mini programs. So they have enabled that. So you can do the AR and the mini programs work. Oh, by the way, the biggest uh, factor to add to all of this is the web AR is also catching up. So you don't need an app anymore to do the AR and therefore you don't need the app to do the AR sales. Um, Even our platform uh, is vertically integrated with all the major uh, e-commerce marketplaces. So through our platform, you can add 3Ds, XYZs and they can be viewed in AR. Or on the reverse, view in AR and push the button and buy. Okay. So it's a vertical integrations are happening in the industry right now. Uh, it's a good decision because I think, like I mentioned earlier, it's product visualization. And in product visualization, um, whichever company that you're using or, you know, a and, and good, very good example that's kicked my mind is Etsy. You should try Etsy's. Etsy's been doing it for two years now. Yeah, they know, they're, they're known for handicrafts, arts. Uh, Used to be crafts. a time yeah. that they, they were. Uh, but now they've become a major marketplace. And they have an internally developed AR oh, wow. system that actually allows you to, uh, you know, check out the jewelry, uh, put it on. And that's all Etsy's internal. And they've been doing it for a year, year and a half on AR side. So once again, different geographics, different adaptations. Um, I cannot take the QR to US and I cannot take image recognition back over here um, different use cases you got to sit down you got to see where the minimal amount of education of a user is required 
minimal adaptation of a new application is required and then you implement those solutions are available right now and like i said we are also uh, doing vertical integration um, back into existing marketplaces so yes snap will have its own footprint companies like mine will have a vertical integration um, and the simplest one of them is shopify uh, with the shopify's big footprint uh, we are launching at the end of august uh, you any store owner can actually just bring all of their data in upload their 3ds and sync and voila ar is available like asus or anyone else without any big cost or anything so we're bringing the cost also down mm-hmm. uh, on similar notes we are bringing you're familiar with the filters so snap has a filter instagram has a filter yeah. right now it's big uh and sorry for the plug this is almost like a plug but uh, our goal has been or our problem solving is no code so what we're doing is we're launching our own lens studio where you create the lens just export it out into all five you don't have to use our our app and just upload the same file to every single one and it will work oh so you can just create yourself and exactly. you don't have to customize it for each platform so imagine it like an adobe Um, product you create export take it to wherever you need to and export specifically you say export for insta export export for snapchat and then the same uh, one will work everywhere so by doing that we are already leveraging the footprint of these big apps I so see. this is what companies like mine are doing to I compete see. okay and when can we expect this end of august we're launching awesome our uh, beta launch is in process I should rather say alpha is in process beta goes in in June and okay. then we launch. Awesome. Okay. We'll keep in touch till Definitely. August and we'll look out for that. Okay, and my last question of course is where do you see Evolve AR in 10 years time and what does it take to get there? So, along with Pixel, uh we are part of another accelerator which is Xnode China, Shenzhen. Mm-hmm. Uh and the sole reason for us to join that accelerator or you know get accepted and all that was we're looking at manufacturing. So, we do realize that the next phase is vertical integration with hardware we're a firm believer of that mm. so vertical integration with the iot's haptics mm. and um, ar mm. and we have some internal uh, products that we are working on that we will be getting developed and out uh, for use cases for trainings mm. um, in industrial uh, construction industry and others and uh, even for non consumer based b2b based uh, out with different hardwares so we see ourselves growing pretty fast And only time can tell where you know you go in ten years. Ten years is a lifetime. It is. It's, it's, a it's a lifetime in yeah, a startup world, right? If you ask yeah. somebody in two thousand, they couldn't have told you because there was no iPhone or app network. Yeah. You ask somebody in twenty ten, they couldn't have told you because once again there was no other networks or the social media and the other companies weren't this big. So what twenty twenty to twenty thirty and is going to bring us is another. It's an eye mystery. Yeah. Awesome. Now, before we end off, where can people connect with you to find out more? On LinkedIn is a good example. Just uh, you know, search my name out, Azhar Malik, or uh, simple Evolve AR dot uh, io is our website. So from there, you can get uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta. You can connect anywhere. Great. Okay. So if you're interested to find out more from Azhar Malik, do head on over to Evolve AR dot io or his LinkedIn. Thank you so much for your time today. I definitely learned a lot, not just on the AR landscape, but also as a startup. How do you uh, work with corporates, right? And how do you adapt to different geographies, uh, leverage on government support and uh, different program support, and also pivot from marketing and down the road into manufacturing and other different industries. 
this has been really interesting. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your time as well. Of course, if you enjoyed today's session and if you've learned something, do give us a like. Of course, leave some questions down in the comments below and of course, hit the subscribe button. See you guys next time. Bye. I'm Vanessa and thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Quest Ventures, top venture capital fund in Asia, in collaboration with Pixel, the innovation hub of Infocom Media Development Authority. Follow us for more exciting episodes to come and stay in touch with us or find out more about Quest Ventures investment syndicates at questventures.com. Till next time.